the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. Hey, here's an idea. The Democrats should take advantage of the president's slimeball son, Hunter, you know him, and the baby he helped produce during the 2024 campaign. He didn't help produce the baby during the campaign. He produced the baby four years ago. But by now you've heard that Hunter has uh, been in court the last two days trying to lower the amount of money he's been paying to the four-year-old daughter he had with a woman named London Roberts. The girl's name is Navy Joan. Her grandfather is President of the United States, and he has refused to acknowledge her existence. Navy Joan is annoying for the Biden family. You know, she's a distraction. And as you probably know, he, uh, Joe is a big fan of abortion. Big fan. Even though he's a good Catholic, of course. Uh, most Democrats are big fans of abortion, and that's where Navy Joan could help them in 2024. This is a, a great, uh, great opportunity for him. She could be the poster child for, you know, reproductive rights, quote-unquote. Since neither Hunter nor his uh, demented old man have ever seen or acknowledged Navy Joan, would it be safe to say that both of them would prefer that she not be here? I don't think that's a stretch. Do you think they wish that London Roberts would have, you know, had her aborted? And if that's the case, why would they be shy about saying so? Isn't that what abortion is all about? Giving the, uh, the mother the freedom to avoid an, in- an inconvenience like Navy Joan? You know, Joe could talk about how annoying it is for him to have this granddaughter that he didn't want and that has embarrassed the family and made it tough when they put the stockings up at Christmas. They don't want to put her name up there, and then people ask about it. And he could talk about the millions of women who have had the freedom and the ability to avoid an inconvenience like this because of their access to reproductive health care. Because that's what eliminating an inconvenience like Navy Joan would have been, you know reproductive health care. She wouldn't be here anymore. She she would have been killed before she was born, but, you know, it's reproductive health care. And Democrat women who love abortion would be glad to hear Joe say that he would never force them to live with an inconvenience like Navy Joan. Maybe Joe can talk Hunter into asking Navy Joan's mother if she'd mind, you know, supporting the cause, let them take pictures of Navy Joan, stuff like that. Anyway, when we come back, there's probably a good chance that you don't watch late-night TV talk shows, because very few people do anymore. But the writer's strike in California could be the beginning of the end for them, and I guess that would be good news. Stick around. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention veterans, active-duty military, civilians, and contractors. If you were issued earplugs between 1999 and 2015 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective, potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-405-7177 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-405-7177 now. Again, 800-405-7177. That's 800-405-7177. 
Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. <laughs> Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they, they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. <laughs> he found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy, don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive list, Listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, in case you haven't heard, there's a writer's strike out there in Hollywood, and that could mean the shows you probably don't watch anymore late at night won't be on. Uh, Christian Toto of HollywoodInToto.com is here to help us get through it. Christian, thanks for coming on, as usual. Sure, my pleasure. So, um, uh, are are you here to tell us that this could be the beginning of the end for late-night TV? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's not me saying it. Forbes had an article, gosh, a day or two ago saying that, and... It's not just the writer's strike, which is clearly shutting down these shows for the time being, but it's just the marketplace. It's the lack of viewership. It's the lack of revenue. It's the fact, of course, they've chased away half the country, which is never really a good business decision, but they they made it anyway. And also, you know, there's an article a couple of days ago about the uh, the Late Late Show, James Corden show, and he just stepped away, so he's he's not going to be a host anymore. But that show was losing millions of dollars because these these programs cost a lot. And so I think all these factors combined with the strike that may, it may linger. The last one lasted 100 days. The, the two sides apparently are very far apart. So we shall see. But late night may not be you know, what we think it is right now for much longer. Well, if it keeps Colbert off the air, I hope it lasts 100 years. <laughs> but that, that's, that's, that's just me. I was surprised to see that these shows were costly. Uh, you basically have a, a band and a guy sitting behind a desk and a few cameras and a studio and people come on and sit on the couch. What, where's the money? What, what what costs so much money, do you think, to produce those? It would seem like a, yeah, a, good a simple question. one. Yeah, they do have some pre-recorded bits. And with Corden's show, he had the carpool karaoke. I think his was a bit more ambitious 
than maybe other shows. But, you know, I guarantee that Stephen Colbert is making much, much more money per year than Corden was. So there's that as well. And it's the lighting, it's the staff, it's the crew. There's a lot of bells and whistles that go on behind the scenes. And I think that just, at the end of the day, adds up. And if the, if the viewership keeps shrinking a little bit and the revenue isn't what it used to be and people are distracted, uh, all those things, you add them together. And it's, it's a little bit of an uncertain future. Would the networks be better off with just reruns in the 11.30 time slot? I don't know, reruns of popular uh, sitcoms, things like that, um, and just avoid the aggravation? Quite possibly. You know, I often will read stories about how this old movie, you know, drew bigger ratings than this new product or something like that. So, you know, you throw an old Seinfeld episode and then you're going to have some eyeballs on it. So that's interesting. Also, I reached out to Fox News earlier this morning and they said this does not affect Greg Gutfeld and the Gutfeld show. So he's already at or near the top of the ratings heap. And that may just get more pronounced at this point because he's going to be the only game in town. So he's got a he's got a golden opportunity and even to expand his audience and say, hey, you know, listen, I'm, I'm right leaning, but I'm also I'm a bit of a troublemaker. The show is unpredictable. It's not the usual lineup of guests. Give us a try, too. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, do you think the um, ABC, CBS, and NBC were were caught off guard and maybe surprised by Gutfeld that that, that he's even a factor, much less beating everybody else? You know, I, I don't know. To me, it's a no-brainer. Put anyone out there who is right of center when you've got a uniformly left of center landscape. I, you know, I don't want to take you know Gutfeld's a funny fellow. He's smart. He's interesting. He's witty. So I don't want to take away any, any of his chops, but any competition that's right of center that's different is going to make a mark in that arena. And that's exactly what he's doing with that show. I mean, do they not think of that or do they not want to think of that? that I think that's the bigger question. If you, you know, give them some truths here, I mean, you say, listen, you're, you're a network executive. You're a smart person. Don't you realize that offering something fresh and different may draw a crowd? You know, I mean, I, I'd like to, love to hear what they say honestly, but I, they didn't want to. And even with Gutfeld's success, there is still no emerging right-of-center talk show that could give Gutfeld some competition. It's just him. It's really funny when you think about it, or strange, or sickening, or whatever word you want to use, <laughs> um, when you think that um, that if even if they had the inkling that putting a conservative, right-of-center, however you want to put it, person or show in that slot would be good counter-programming to the other two because they're liberal, they wouldn't, even if it would, the networks are so, um, so uh, such prisoners of their liberalness that, that, that they can't, that, that they wouldn't even want to have the success that a conservative host might bring them. They, they couldn't bring themselves to do it, even though it means money. A few years ago, a comedian, Michael Loftus, is a funny fellow. He's conservative. He's worked inside Hollywood in the past. He's written for some sitcoms, bright guy. And he's told a story about he went to Hollywood, went to some studios and said, listen, I've got a late night show. It's not even left. It's not even right. It's down the middle. It kind of hits this side, hits the other side. And they rejected that. He was, I mean, this is you know, what he said, what his story. But he said, we, we just don't want to do that. So even a show that was down the middle, that could, you know, hit both sides a little bit like South Park does. They didn't even seem open to that. So that's interesting as well. Maybe maybe we need an old Carson style where, you know, he's not playing sides. He's just looking for the funny. And if, if Donald Trump does something silly today, he makes fun of it. And if it's tomorrow, it's AOC, then they make fun of her. But I, I think that would be interesting as well. That might draw a crowd if someone had that sort of spirit with them and it was more joyful and uplifting and it didn't feel punitive. I, I think that could make a difference. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe maybe we're living in hard partisan times and you need the hard left or the hard right. I don't know. We're talking to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. The writer's strike uh, going on now and could go on for a while out in Hollywood. Won't affect me because I haven't watched a late night show. And I'm not kidding you. I haven't watched. If you added up the total amount of minutes I've watched a network show, one of those shows, at 11.30 or 12.30 at night, it wouldn't be 10 minutes in 20 years. So I, I can't look at them. But um, could you make a case, Christian, for, for if, this, if this could be the beginning of the end of those types of shows at late night, uh, could you make a case that Donald Trump played a role in killing them because he made the writers and the hosts lazy and they spent, well, it's now up to about 
working on seven years of doing nothing but Donald Trump trashing? It's undeniable. First of all, I've been tracking this whole landscape for a while, and I, I noticed a dramatic sea change with the 2016 election. And, you know, maybe at the time they were poking more fun at Trump than at Hillary. Certainly possible. But from that point on, it was a pivot. It was, we are now partisans. We are now ignoring one side and we are trashing the other. And it's never changed since that moment. So even when Trump left office, they could have said, oh, listen, you know, Biden's in office. He's got, he's got all these things we can make fun of. We can go back to the old method. No, no. They ignore Biden so aggressively. It's almost funny. And just a quick note, the one thing they do over and again with Biden is he's old. He's old. Ha ha. He's old. And not only is that boring, but it lacks satirical teeth. Because it isn't just the fact that he's old, because I think Bernie Sanders is old. He's older than Biden, I believe. But if you have a conversation with him, he can keep up. I don't agree with Bernie Sanders, but he's still smart. He's still sharp. Yeah. Biden has lost a lot in his fastball, and they can't make fun of it. Well, again, you it's a couple of things here. First of all, on the Trump thing, um, you would think that there would be someone in management who would go to the hosts and or the producers of these shows and say, listen, Trump's gone. We got to find some uh, some better material. I think it's stale. It's old. I'm looking at the ratings. They're dropping off. Um, it, what, what, it used to be, in, if you were a, a television producer or a programmer, that those are the kinds of things that you looked at and you said, "Hey, this isn't working. Let's try this. Let's do a plan B." That, that just must. The, uh, my only uh, explanation would be that the Trump hatred was so intense that they they couldn't help themselves. There's a segment of Hollywood that cares more about ideology than the bottom line. It's not complete. It's still show business to a degree. But I think they're okay with the status quo. I think even if they realize they could get a bigger audience if they moved in a slightly different direction, I don't think they want to. I, I, I'd love to talk to a Jimmy Kimmel and have a beer with him and just talk about what's going on. You know, just look at Hunter Biden. I, you know, a, a very sorry fellow. I, it sounds like he maybe he's, you know, He's clean and sober now, and God bless him for that. But there is so much information, so much comic material in Hunter alone that could get you, you know, dozens and dozens of monologue jokes. VP uh, Kamala Harris, the same story here, word salad speeches. They just don't want to go there. To them, ideology is more important than telling funny jokes. That's the way it is right now, which is why you're not watching it. I'm not watching it until I have to. And a lot of people have just tuned out. They're just It's boring. It's lectures. It's clapter. It's not fun. It's not funny. And it's often lecture, uh, finger-wagging where they, they're making fun of the audience. I guess, I, I guess what's confusing to me, and that all makes sense what you just said there, but I don't understand how there is not an executive at one or all three of the networks who oversees all that and, and, and pushes back against that and says, hey, listen, guys, you know, I know you hate Donald Trump. It ain't working. We've got to come up. You know, we're paying you millions of dollars a year. You stink. You're not funny anymore. Will you please change? I mean, they, is there not anybody who holds up the sheet of paper that shows that they, they lost uh, millions of dollars on a show or that they're not making anywhere near the money they should, and says, hey, okay, party's over. This is what we're going to do from now on. I, I just, I worked in TV. Uh, and, and here's the thing, uh, Christian. I know, I don't know personally, but I, I know for a, I'm, I'm certain that, that when Jay Leno was up against David Letterman in 2004 or something, that every morning they got up and looked at the ratings, and if there was a tenth of a point difference one way or the other, they wanted to know why. And they looked at it, and they said, what do we got to do here? Letterman beat us by two points last night. We can't have that. They don't do that anymore. It, it's all great points. I want to offer a tangential story, which I think connects to the main story. I spoke to an actor recently. He's right of center. And he said, you know, when I'm on a set, and going on, you know, between takes, behind the scenes, whatever, it's a lot of political t talk, and it's uniformly from the left. It's the very same playbook. So I would just stay quiet, he said to me. You know, but at the end of the day, it's, they're, they're consumed by it. And in recent years, that political talk on the set has gotten more intense, more frequent, more aggressive. So I think that's the, that's the, the atmosphere that we're talking about here, because everything you're saying makes logical sense. But it doesn't make Hollywood sense. And I think if you're that executive who brings up the, 
these Trump jokes are getting stale. I think the stink eye you receive would be you'd see it from space. So I don't think anyone wants to stand up and say that, at least because we're not we're, we're not seeing the proof of it. If someone if someone was saying that behind the scenes, I think we'd see a different reaction from the host. But they're just they're just staying on course. We're talking to Christian Toto of Hollywood and Toto dot com. Where's your where can they find your podcast, Christian? You know, it's on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms. And the show is once a week, but I'll be moving to twice a week pretty soon. I had a bonus episode a couple of days ago, so uh, check it out. I'm interviewing a lot of people who have been canceled, who have been really brave against this whole mob situation. And uh, I think their stories need to be heard and told, and uh, I'm glad to share them. And back to the uh, discussion here about the late night, uh, and you mentioned this, Jimmy Kimmel, um, he actually said it's not good riddance, but it's riddance when he was told that he's, he's chasing Trump voters away. He, this is what just kills me. He he was able to go on and say, yeah, that's I don't care. I chased half the audience away. This is a guy who's making millions of dollars. That the, the millions of dollars that he makes um, is dependent upon getting ratings, and he's able to. And the advertisers are spending the money, and he's allowed to get away with saying, you know what? I don't care if half of our audience goes away. I worked in television for a long time. You never said anything like that. The whole point was to have his. The, the most broad appeal you could come up with. You don't, you don't do anything to chase anybody away. I agree, but there are exceptions now in that the landscape is so splintered. You can actually be really successful by being more of a niche program. So in a way, he has a certain amount of sense that he can be successful, he can keep the paychecks coming if he just works with one audience. But the Biden economy is terrible. Streaming is, is really changing a lot of things in Hollywood. People have different distractions. They're not watching late night in general like they used to. So I think that bravado may not suit him well in the future. And also, just one other thing. If this strike does last a while, and it's got, we've got months and months of no fresh late night shows, people find a plan B. Mm-hmm. They're going to watch something different. They say, oh, I, you know what? It's, it's 11 o'clock, 1130. I'm going to watch this instead. This is my new normal. And then when, when Kimball and company come back, well, you know, I like this new normal. I, I'm actually pretty comfortable with it. I don't need to go back to Colbert. I'm fine. That's a risk, too. My plan B is sleep. It works really well. <laughs> really. That's my plan A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine, too. That, that really works well for me. Um, before we go, i got to ask you a question. And We're talking to uh, Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. You, you review movies. Have you seen Big George Foreman yet? You know, I haven't. And, you know, it's funny because it, it's gotten very little publicity. You think that a, a George Foreman feature would be all over the press. I think the reviews are mixed. I just haven't had a chance to catch up with it yet. But I am surprised that it's not getting more uh, consideration. But I, I don't know. Some, sometimes the marketplace is so busy. But he's got an amazing story, and it's got a little bit of faith-based content in there. And, uh, gosh, I, I am looking forward to it, but I have not seen it yet. Well, I saw it uh, over the weekend, and uh, it was good. It was, it, was, it was about what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a little bit of a, a TV movie uh, feel, feel mm-hmm. to it, but I, I have a feel. And I, I was there for the fight when, when, um, when he won the championship, so, and I knew the guy that he beat. I was covering that for He was a Pittsburgh-area guy. But um, – I, you mentioned that it's, there's got some, a faith element to it, and when you go see it, maybe we'll talk about it later, but yeah. I have a feeling it's not getting the attention and the praise that it might have gotten because it's got too much of a faith element to it. You know, Tony, someone posted a whole bunch of Rotten Tomato reviews of movies that were faith-based or spiritual, whatever label you want to put on it, and it showed the audience score and it showed the, the critic score, and the chasm is pretty severe there. So, you know, you talk about diversity of opinion and you know we need more voices across the board and and that can be often true but i think many critics aren't very kind to faith-based films and i think they have a a bit of a chip on their shoulder and even when they're pretty good they don't always give them the accolades they deserve so that's another issue yeah well uh, it's it's uh check it out i'll be interested to see your review when you finally do see it and uh always good to have you on the show christian i appreciate it oh thanks so much okay that's christian toto hollywoodandtoto.com we'll be right back SRN News, I'm John Scott, President Biden, inviting congressional leaders to meet with him next week. The Treasury Department is warning of a default as soon as June 1st. 
Economists have warned of a financial catastrophe if the government of the world's largest economy is unable to pay its bills. It's still unclear how the president and Congress can resolve the matter. Republicans are demanding spending cuts of $4.8 trillion over 10 years. Democratic leaders want to decouple the debt limit from the budget process. Norman Hall, Washington. The Biden administration will send 1,500 troops to the U.S.-Mexico border amid an expected migrant surge following the end of coronavirus pandemic-era restrictions. As according to four administration officials, those troops would be sent to focus on administrative tasks and would not do law enforcement work. This is SRN News. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. Okay, we admit it. Pittsburgh is famous for steel. But what about all the other things we're famous for? Take 1980, when we invented the emoticon. How's that for a smiley face? And the terrible towel. Come on, who else can turn a common household item into a sports icon? The Big Mac? Yeah, that was us in 1967. So we figured if we like it, so will America. And boy, were we right. You get it. We get it. And this station gets you. AM 1250. The Answer. Hey, John Stoggerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. Worth Advisors has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Beth Andrews and the team at Networth Advisors can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 800-426-1428 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Beth Andrews and the team at Networth Advisors now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 800 426 1428. That's 800-426-1428. Networth Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk. Firm offers insurance services. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in iHeart or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. It'll be breezy this evening, otherwise mostly cloudy and cold tonight, near record low temperatures with a couple of showers. There can be some wet snowflakes mixed in, the low 34. Low clouds tomorrow, breezy and cold with a passing shower or two, the high 46. Breezy tomorrow evening, otherwise low clouds tomorrow night, maybe some clearing, low 41. Mainly cloudy Thursday, a shower in places in the afternoon, the high 57. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Now, I want to follow up on uh, what I was talking to uh, Christian Toto about there, the movie uh, Big George Foreman, which I went to see over the weekend. Um, interesting story for me because I was there, and the movie does have a, a, a major faith element in it. He has a conversion of sorts, and uh, that's what c- created his coming back eventually. And um, anyway, that's part of the story. But 
I was there in Las Vegas for that fight. And it's one of the most memorable moments of my career. And I had a lot of pretty good moments in 30 years in TV uh, covering sports. But it's Las Vegas. I believe it was Caesars Palace. And George Foreman was a major underdog. He was 45 years old. Michael Moore um, had, I don't think he had, had lost, I don't think he had any losses. I don't think he lost a fight uh, in his career. And he's fighting George Foreman, who's um, about 17 years old. Foreman was like 45. And uh, Michael Moore, who grew up in Manesson, was about 27. And in the movie, there's a moment when um, Archie Moore, I believe it's Archie Moore, who's it's supposed to be Archie Moore, talking to George Foreman as a, um, as a young boxer. Archie Moore was a uh, a longtime uh, fighter. He was a, a champion at multiple in multiple weight classes, and he he fought until a, a, a an old age. So anyway, he was he was telling a young George Foreman about what it's like if he gets a chance to fight for the uh, heavyweight championship. And he said, if you're fighting, and this is back when boxing was boxing. I I couldn't tell you who the I don't know who the heavy. I, I honestly I don't know who the heavyweight champion of the world is right now. I couldn't tell you. And that was not, was not the case 25, 30 years ago. Uh, but he said, if you're fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world, there are two people in the world, you and the guy you're fighting. When you get up that day, the, the, everything smells differently, looks differently, tastes differently. You're fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. And it hit home with me when he said that because I covered Michael Moore in uh, his when he beat Evander Holyfield out there, and then I I was out there for for that fight with Foreman, and um, I was I was there for several days before the fight, and I remember looking around and thinking about how much different it was covering this than it was anything else I had covered. I've covered Stanley Cup Finals, I've covered World Series, Super Bowls, National Football, or I'm sorry, College Football Championship game. The difference was I was looking around and seeing, and everybody had to wear a, a credential around their neck with a picture on it, and it said where you were from. And I, there would be a group of guys and some women, but mostly guys standing around the boxers after they worked out or whatever. And I'd look around and I'd see London, Tokyo, Germany, uh, uh, you know, Japan, all the people from all these. Uh, foreign countries around the world. That's what a world heavyweight championship was. And uh, and I, I remember saying at the time that if Michael Moore wins the heavyweight championship, this was before the Hollywood Hollyfield fight when he did win, I said he, will, he might be the most famous athlete ever from Western Pennsylvania because nobody in Egypt has ever heard of Roberto Clemente or Mario Lemieux or Arnold Palmer, but they will know who Michael Moore is if he wins tonight and beats Evander Holyfield, which he ended up doing. So he became one of the most famous athletes, if not the most famous athlete ever from Western PA. Maybe you could throw Billy Kahn in there because he, he fought for the heavyweight championship against Joe Lewis. But anyway, so it occurred to me that this, it was a big deal. So then there's the fight. And Michael Moore is just beating the crap out of George Foreman for 10 rounds. And he got too close. And uh, Foreman caught him with a left jab, followed by a right cross, right on the button. Knocked him out. People like to think that it was fixed because they wanted Foreman to win. Wasn't fixed. Knocked him out. Trust me. So... Now, I had gotten to know Michael Moore fairly well, and I was pulling for him to win. I, I kind of liked the idea of covering a, a, a world heavyweight champion, and I always liked stories about boxing because there's great characters around boxing, and Moore was one, and the, and the trainers that I got to know that he worked with, I liked talking to them. They were great interviews for TV. Uh, and so I got to know him pretty well, and so I wanted him to win, and, and I wanted to keep covering him. I thought that was pretty cool. So he gets knocked out. So that was a shock to everybody, and everybody's going crazy. And it's all now it's all George Foreman. Nobody even knows who Michael Moore is at that point. They just know that George Foreman did it. The big uh, 
friendly, smiling George Foreman, who used to be a rotten, bad human being and had a conversion uh, when he when he found religion. But so he, anyway, they, he knocks out uh, Michael Moore, and everybody's going nuts. But I got a story to do. I'm covering it for KDK TV. So I am outside the place where the fight was held. I can't remember. It was a ballroom or something. I forget where it was. Uh, maybe an arena out there at Caesars. And Michael Moore, I see him getting in a limo, and he's headed for the hospital. He's got to go to the hospital. And he he's just sitting in the back seat of the – he gets into the back seat of the limo, and the window goes down. He looks out. He sees me. He says, Stag, meet me at my room. I'll be, I'll be there. So I'm with my photographer, Michael Chalik, and I'm thinking, well, okay, I, I got to go wait. He, I believe – I don't think it was a hotel room. I think it was, a, I think it was in a, in like an apartment or something. I remember, but we, but we sat – Michael and I sat in the hall. This was probably, what, 10 o'clock Vegas time until about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. We sat in the hallway waiting for Michael Moore to come back because I'm going to do the interview. It's going to be on the 6 o'clock news on uh, KDK TV the next day. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm paid to be out there for. i got to get this story. i got to talk to this guy. And by the way – the other stations didn't cover him the way I did. I, I jumped on this story early because I saw him as a young fighter, and I said, this kid is from Manesson, and he's, he's going to be fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. I didn't know if he'd win, but he's going to be fighting for it, and we should get in on the story now, get to know the guy, and be able to do this story the right way. So, um, Michael, we're waiting there in the hallway. It's dark. We're just sitting on the floor, leaning against the wall. The elevator door opens. And out comes Michael Moore by himself, with holding a, um, a an ice pack up against his swollen lip. And I thought about this, and then this is what what made me think about this when the line was used in the movie by the character uh, Archie Moore. He said, "There are only two people in the world." And I thought there were people watching this fight, and and they are talking about this guy all over the world, not all over Pittsburgh or the United States. They're talking about this guy in Japan right now because he's he lost the heavyweight championship and he was the focus of the entire people all over the world. I, I'm guessing they watched this in Egypt. It was on closed circuit TV. This you had you know pay you had to pay for it here in the United States. And there he was walking down the hallway and it was me and the cameraman, and Michael Moore. All the people in the world, he was talking to me after he um, participated in this uh, event that they're still talking about now, and they just made a movie about. So big, big deal. It just, I don't know, it just really occurred to me what how lucky I was to have the job that I had that uh, the whole world was watching us, and I thought of all the people who came there from all over the world, the people I had seen with their press credentials around their necks saying that they were from uh, Japan and, and who knows, China probably, um, they were there. And I was the one who was going to talk to this guy. And I did. And we went into his room. He sat down with a swollen lip. He sat down at like a kitchen counter. We turned the camera on. We talked for a while, and that was it. I don't remember if it was especially a good interview, but... I do remember one thing he said was, I'm tired. He said, uh, you know, I, I've been doing this. You, you win one fight and you go right back and you get ready for another one. So I don't know what I'm going to do. But I hope Michael – I haven't talked to Michael Moore in a long time. I hope he has the money that he made, or at least a lot of it. And um, he did something. This is a guy who started out in Manesson, PA. His dad uh, – his grandfather, I'm sorry, ran a gym – his grandfather was walking through the gym one day, working with some other fighters, and he heard some loud banging on the heavy bag. And he went and looked, and it was Michael. He was like 11 or 12 years old, and he was pounding that bag. And he said, maybe you should do this. And he went from that to heavyweight champion of the world. 
So go see the movie. It's good. It's fun. And uh, Michael Moore, he should have done a better job of uh, having himself identified with Western PA. He left. He had some issues in Manesson. He didn't become the, the big name that he should have been here in sports when he became heavyweight champion. And he was work. He was fighting out of a, the Kronk gym in Detroit, and nobody cared about him in Detroit. But uh, he could have been a big, big deal here in Western PA. But he uh, he didn't just he wasn't interested. But it was one of the most uh, memorable events of my life, not just my career, but my life. And it's depicted in the movie Big George Foreman. I'll be right back. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. They are our cuddlers and co-workers, per-machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit PetsAndPeopleTogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? Well, that's about to change thanks to a new initiative from Autism Speaks. Lee Container, the J. Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund and Delivering Jobs that seeks to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Lee Container is a family-owned business that has found success by staying true to the golden rule. Treat others as you would want to be treated. There are hundreds of thousands of people with autism and people with intellectual or developmental differences who are ready and willing to work in our communities. Our coalition is committed to hiring an inclusive workforce, providing training for hiring professionals, and providing guidelines for all employees. Together, we can create a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. Will you join us? We are inviting other businesses, institutions, and community leaders to join in. To learn more, please visit autismspeaks.org slash employment. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, imagine this happening, uh, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, University of Pittsburgh has a graduation, and they have uh, separate ceremonies for um, black and Hispanic students. That I think some people would be upset about that, but apparently things have changed. Um, there's a story here. Uh, I was alerted to it. Uh, alerted of it by the uh, about it by the uh, campus um, reform, and I, I it's Pitt Diversity Office hosts students of color graduation um, ceremony, and so I have Matt Lamb, who's an associate editor right now, and uh, I this I just came across this story just a little while ago, and Matt, I'm, I was glad that you were able to come on on short notice. Can you just give us the uh, What's going on here? It's the College Fix, I should say. Make sure that I get that right. The collegefix.com has the story. Absolutely. Fix.com. 
Com. Uh, we reported today about an event that happened over the weekend at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, this was a graduation ceremony for students of color. Um, there's actually two diversity offices at Pitt, and they put this on. And then actually what happened is the Latinx Student Association also hosted another ceremony just for Latino students because there wasn't enough racial segregation, I guess, going on at Pitt. Yeah, and I I saw that um, that that it was called the gathering, and it's a special graduation ceremony to acknowledge and celebrate graduating students of color. That was according to the Pitt News. Um, this this happened. Uh, this has already happened. I think it took place on April 29th, which would have been what uh, Friday or I guess Saturday. Um, so why is this a, why is this an issue? What what? Uh, is this this is some this is something that's happening at a lot of colleges, isn't it? Absolutely. So actually, in June, the University of Chicago will have a graduation ceremony just for students of color, uh, graduate students. Now, just to be clear, there's already other university commencement ceremonies going on, um, but for some reason, these students feel the need to have their own ceremonies. The student leader of the Latino student group said, uh, it's not, it's not segregated. It's not separate. You know, this is just additional, but obviously this is a separate, but equal ceremony that will only probably further racial animosity by splitting up students based on the color of their skin. Well, the headline in the pit news, it says a chance to build unity. Uh, pit to host special graduation for students of color. So the unity is built by separating people. That's a new. That's a new concept. Exactly. Uh, the one of the diversity officers said that this is the way to build unity, and this came from the student groups. He said so. There's an African American alumni council. There's a Latinx student organization, as they call it, and there was also a lavender graduation this weekend for. LGBT students at all the different pit uh, campuses. Oh, that should be fun. So um, here, this is this is what um, uh, I'm looking at the pit news story here. Uh, Matt Castillo, a senior Spanish and anthropology major and the president of the Latinx Student Association. Now, I've seen polls that show that like two percent of uh, of Latinos actually want or Latinas. Uh, like the term Latinx, most of them hate it. As a matter of fact, but um, he doesn't. Uh, uh, he doesn't, or she doesn't, uh, um, view the gathering as a separate or segregated celebration, but rather an additional one. He says, "I think it's important to acknowledge with Black students, Asian students, Hispanic students, Indigenous students, first gen, low income, they have been traditionally excluded from being able to access higher education." I don't. I mean, that may have been the case. I'm sure it was the case a long, long time ago. That is a long, long time ago when when they were. There is not. If you are, if you are um, a black student, you have a better chance of getting into pit because uh, they uh, they have preferences. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but to say that they need to acknowledge that that's it's really a struggle for kids to be accepted at pit. It's not. He, uh, Castillo, it's not clear what his gender is, or their gender is, continues to go on to say, well, I think there's times when we need to come together as, you know, students of color, he says, but then we also need to get to celebrate the specific struggles and specific history of our communities. You can see how you could just continue to divide. I mean, there's, what, 72 genders now. So, you know, uh, non-binary, uh, left-handed uh, Latinx people might need their own ceremony next year, then right-handed, queer, uh, black, Mexican students might need another ceremony. I mean, you could just keep dividing people until we all have our own uh, participation trophy ceremony. Well, let's just have a, a university that's for each group. Forget everybody going to the same place. Just to, you know why, if you're going to have separate graduations, why not just have separate schools? That, that's, uh, that would be the... the, the um, the logical extension of that. Uh, this is what um, us, us, another student said. Uh, while this first year of the gathering, while, while this is the first year of the gathering, Pitt has supported this endeavor in past years in partnership with the African American Alumni Council. Um, the gathering was formerly called the Baccalaureate Ceremony, which was supported by students 
uh, and has been a great partner and, and continues to support this event. He says, I understand Pitt is very diverse. This is Castillo still speaking. Uh, I understand that Pitt is very diverse for a lot of white students who've never been in diverse communities before. But for those of us who are from Texas, Southern California, New Jersey, this is the whitest place we've ever been. I think the university fully is not aware that it has so many students of color who have felt unsupported and forgotten. Um, the popu- the le- Hispanic population for Pittsburgh is 3.2 percent, which and and it's the the um, it's 6.3 percent uh, are Hispanic students at the school, so it's twice the population of Pittsburgh. Exactly, and the, one of the DEI officials also said that there needs to be a space for cultural exchange. Well, what better way than to get all of the students together of different backgrounds? And, you know, there's nothing against the Latino student group if they want to host a cultural event, but that should include inviting different students, and then that's actually how we learn about one another, not by siloing ourselves in these uh, separate but equal graduation ceremonies. Did you guys at the College Fix try to contact Pitt to ask him about this? Yes, we did. So we reached out to a variety of people in the DI office, the communications office, and we basically just asked them, you know, what is the goal of this? Are there future uh, separate celebrations that might be planned? And what would they say to someone that said this is segregation? But um, over the past couple of days, uh, no one that we contacted responded to our request for comment. I, I, Matt, I'm out of time. I, I thank you for being on. Mike, i got to go, right? I'm done. Yeah, hey, Matt, I really appreciate you doing this on short notice. You can find it at the College Fix, and uh, hope to have you on again soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.